Is the Prism brand overrated and overvalued? We've got a lot to say about it on today's Cards on the Table. Sports Card Investors, happy Thursday and welcome to Cards on the Table, a fast-paced talk show where we are covering some important topics in the world of sports cards, including our first topic today, is Prism overrated and overvalued? We got a lot to talk about and talking with me today is Teapot, our head of product here at Sports Card Investor. Welcome, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Absolutely, and Hammer is back, our baseball guy. Your MVP picks, they're doing good so far this season. They are, Arenado's been playing well. Vlad Guerrero Jr. had three home runs last night, so it's always great to be back with you two. I, I, hope, uh, I hope you guys listened to his advice and maybe picked up some of those cards over the last week. That would have been good for you had you done that. But guys, let's talk about Prism right off the bat today. This is very timely because WWE Prism came out recently it has been flying off the shelves. It is the hottest product out there at the moment, it seems. And everyone's acting like this is the first time they've ever seen shiny WWE cards. But the truth of the matter is, there was a, a set of Topps Chrome WWE last year, and no one was going crazy about it. And, and right now, the most recent sales of these two products, the last hobby box of Topps Chrome that sold, WWE 2021, sold for $182. The last hobby box of Prism sold for $1,225. That is such an incredible swing. Is it justified? And I will note, there has been some shill bidding going on around some of these WWE cards. So perhaps the hype around them has been even a little bit overhyped because there's been cards, singles that have been selling on eBay but then people haven't been, been paying for them in some cases. But regardless, the numbers on the hobby box sales don't lie. Is Prism overvalued? Well, part of what's going on here is that it's a timing thing, right? This time last year, WWE as a whole hadn't caught on like it did this year. We saw the record sale on the Hulk Hogan card. That stuff has started to pick up. People have gone from one thing to the next, to UFC, to F1, now on to WWE, and you know, have Marvel mixed in there too. So part of it's timing. Part of it is the brand recognition that Prism carries. We haven't seen a Prism product come out at $100 or $200 like Topps Chrome does for baseball and other things, right? So there's sort of this baked in thing. But I do think that Prism at this point is very, very overrated. And part of the problem is, this, this is kind of like the Madden franchise. Everybody loves it. It's kind of, in a way, the only option you have. It's the established brand, but it's the same thing every year. In fact, I would argue the new Madden games are worse than the old ones. Like, it's just gotten progressively worse. And that's what you look at. We did the issue, or the, the episode on our wish list for Fanatics, a lot of those things. Sticker autos, player worn, death by parallel, inferior designs year over year, recycled inserts. You get the same thing, there's no creativity quality control issues, players in the wrong jerseys. Even though Prism comes out super late, you still don't have post-trade deadline and, and rookies and their correct things and all of that. It's like photo shoots. So a lot of issues with it. I think Select was on the right track mm. to be what we always wanted Prism to be. And then they, we know what they did with that. Took so in general, I just I, yeah. I love Prism, but I want it to be better, and it needs to be better, and I think it's a little overrated at this point. Overrated. Hammer, are you in the overrated camp on Prism? 
I'm not. I'm somebody who has always been a fan of Prism since, you know, Panini came in and Prism has sort of taken over as the top brand. I mean, if you look at the numbers, most Prism PSA 10s are going for more than other, you know, Select, Optic, some of the other brands. So the fact that it is the top dog is something that's going to make me continue to come back to it. Now, to your point, Select at one point was starting to really become competitive with Prism until we saw they decided to do retail as well, which ultimately made me continue to stick with Prism. So until I see those numbers start to change, then maybe my philosophy will start changing. But until then, I have no problem buying the sealed wax or buying singles of them. I, I, on the other hand, I do hope that they can work on, on the design and some of the other things that you mentioned with the parallels, but I do think that's more of a hobby issue at whole, not necessarily just uh, you know, a particular set. So I would say I'm team Prism for sure. What does this mean for the Topps Chrome brand as Fanatics takes over? Well, that's interesting, right? Because Fanatics at the moment at least is all in on Topps. You know, we'll see if maybe they are able to acquire Fanatics down the road as well. But at the moment, Panini. they're, they're yeah, Panini, right? <laughs> Fanatics acquire Panini. But at the moment, they're all in on Topps Chrome. So will they raise that? I got to say this though, Prism, in my opinion, will remain king because of Prism Gold. The Prism Golds are the chase card across the sports card hobby. They're the grails that so many people are going for. We have seen the, the more common cards in Prism, the base cards, and even the silvers decline considerably uh, you know, over the course of the last year, but the gold seemed to be continue to get more valuable. Some of the rare parallels seem to continue to get more valuable. And as long as people are chasing those golds and those blacks and those high-end parallels, Prism will always have value. We got to get to the next, next topic, but I want to say one final thing. That is... The one thing Panini is, well, there's a lot of problems you mentioned with Prism, but one thing that they, I just, I hate, I hate is the fact that they have now watered down Prism across so many different sets. You've got Choice. They introduced Prism Black. They've now been putting Prism update cards in Chronicles. Stop. Stop, Panini. Stop Agreed. the madness. You want, you, want, you want Prism to be your premier set? Keep it as your premier set. The only way you should be able to get Prism is out of an actual box of Prism, not some weird pro offshoot product, or especially not in Chronicles, or what is this Prism Black? Stop the madness. Preserve Prism, and it will always be a market leader. All right, guys, we got to get to our next topic. The next topic is built around your data dive video. So every week, Teapot does a great video on our Market Movers YouTube channel. Uh, where he, he uses market movers to dive into the data around a particular topic. And your most recent video was around top rebound candidates in Major League Baseball. So take us through this a little bit for people who didn't see it. And by the way, we're going to put the link to the video up. You should really go watch it after you watch this video because he gets into a lot of detail. But give us a couple of highlights from that episode. Yeah, so certain sports like basketball tend to be a lot more predictable in terms of which players are going to be good year over year. What I mean by that is... You have certain guys who emerge, high lottery picks, who show they're really worth something, and they continue to play well for many years to come, like we've seen with Giannis and Luca and other players, right? Barring injury risk. Baseball, football, those sports are a little bit different. You can have these guys who put together one or even two, literally like MVP caliber seasons, and then they, they just fall off. They just do nothing. And baseball is really streaky like that. So I went through and I looked at players who, over the last year to two years, for different reasons, have struggled, maybe injury, maybe performance. I specifically highlighted Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich, Francisco Lindor, and Alex Bregman. And I looked at their performance, especially over the last few years. And these are all guys who have either won MVPs or multiple MVPs. 
and had, like I said, injuries or didn't play well at all last season. Trout was out, Yelich looked terrible, Bregman underperformed, that kind of thing. So I sort of just looked at all of those factors, their personal statistical history, what's their track record, their injury risk, and their team's probability to win, and sort of tried to assess and project what's the probability of a rebound this season, which would correlate, I would think, in a certain way to their card prices recovering. All right, so now you gotta watch the video to get all of the analysis, but of these guys you just mentioned, was there one that stood out a little more to you as like, I, I, I like what this guy could potentially do? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts are the ones who, who stood out for me for sure. Lindor, I still don't know what to make of him. Yelich, I, I'm not personally high on Yelich at this point. I think he's past his prime and he hasn't shown any signs of recovering. And Bregman, he's still really young, so it's hard to know, and he's in a really good situation with Houston who competes every year, so he could be a good candidate. But as long as Trout's healthy, he's going to be amazing. And Betts already has such an established career that I, I don't know about the near term if he's going to rebound strong and, and see a huge uptick this year, but I do think his career will put him up in the 70 to 80 war range, maybe even higher, and he's, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, I mean honestly, Mookie Betts... If you go back a year or two ago, he was on a progression to not just be a Hall of Famer. He was on a progression to be an all-time great. Yeah. I mean, he was, I would say at that moment in time, he was the second best player in baseball behind Mike Trout. And, you know, I mean, he was kind of, he was, look, appears to be, could be a generational talent. So we'll see, you know, what he does this year. But personally, one thing I really like about Betts and looking at your list here, I'd also say Bregman is what you said, both of those guys are on teams that are, are not only contenders, but teams that are favorites to get to the World Series. I mean, you know, the Dodgers, the Astros, these teams are, I mean, they're stacked. They got all kinds of stuff going on. And so in my opinion, if you're looking to decide between a couple of players, current players, and you know, what might their card prices do, you definitely have to factor in how good the team is overall, because you definitely see a bump around playoff time around the cards of the star players on the star teams because they're going to continue to play through the postseason while many other cards start falling off as of that moment as those teams are eliminated from playoff contention. So just something to keep in mind. How about you, though, Hammer? What, are you, what do you think about this list and any MLB rebound candidates on your radar? So one guy that isn't on this list that I've uh, been thinking about is Cody Bellinger, and I'm thinking more of a long-term standpoint. This guy's a Rookie of the Year, World Series champion, MVP. So in terms of long-term value, he came out of the gate looking like this is going to be a surefire Hall of Famer. Well, well, the past two seasons dealt with injuries, inconsistencies across the board. He had a good postseason last year, even though it didn't work out the way they wanted. And he had a rough spring to start, but he's starting to get it going. He's in a lineup where he's batting like sixth or seventh because the Dodgers are just so stacked. And back to your point where he's going to hopefully be playing when it matters most. And if he can get back to those 30-plus home run seasons, I think you're going to see collectors start going back to his cards on more of that long-term view that, hey, this guy might go down as one of the all-time great Dodgers. But the last two seasons haven't been looking good. But I do think he's going to bounce back since they have a really good lineup this year. Baseball is a game of adjustments. It really That's is. That's right. They've found holes in Bellinger's swing over the last few years. He was able to rebound once. It'll be interesting to see if he can do it again. Yeah, it's going to be interesting stuff. Okay, guys, I got to show this to you. We got Teapot. You're going to be here for this as well because Teapot and his product team at Market Movers have been working extremely hard on this. We're going to do this live. We're going to do this live, so we're going to see if this, uh, if this goes or not. So I'm going to go into the Market Movers app on my phone, and I've just gone into our new slab scanning mode. I've grabbed a slab here. I'm taking a photo of the slab. And we are going to see if it calls up, it does, it calls up the current pricing and the chart of that slab. Look at that. Look at that. Pretty nice. That's pretty slick, guys. It is our new slab scanning 
in Market Movers. It works with all of the slabs that are in our database, hundreds of thousands of different cards. You can just slab the scan, you scan the slab, get instant pricing and add the card to your collection. And you can check it out for free for seven days. Use promo code TRIAL. Go to sportscardinvestor.com and click on Market Movers in the main menu bar, use promo code TRIAL. Okay, back to the topics, guys. This is, so normally at this time of the show, we do a mailbag topic where we pull uh, questions from the audience that you leave in the YouTube comments. So think right now about questions you want us to answer next week and leave those in the YouTube comments. But there were a couple of topics today that we wanted to address because there was a lot of uh, chatter about them on social media recently. One is, what are the ethical and moral responsibilities around buying and selling cards after a player's death? And of course, this has been a topic heavily this last week. Unfortunately, we lost Dwayne Haskins. You know, very, very tragic young player, like completely out of the blue, completely unexpected. And you saw he passes away. People are updating eBay listings and putting RIP in the title. More of his cards are suddenly being listed in eBay. There's a bunch of buying and selling activity taking place. We did, of course, experience something like this with Kobe Bryant to a much larger degree a couple of years ago. What, what, how do you, I'm gonna start with you, Hammer. How do you feel about this? Like, what, what is the right approach here? Yeah, it's obviously, you know, a, a touchy situation, especially if you're somebody who's constantly buying and selling cards. You know, I think it's okay for individuals to be buying and selling. I do worry how, how you go about it. I think putting RIP or, you know, highlighting this person's death is not the right way to go about posting as a seller. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, like overcharging, I, I imagine there's a lot of Ohio state PC collectors that, that want to get Dwayne Haskins stuff. And some people might see that as an opportunity to overcharge on the card because he is relevant in the news right now. So those are big no's for me that, that you most likely should not do. Um, but I'm somebody who also understands that if you are buying and selling cards, things happen sometimes. I mean, I had a Cardinal prospect growing up, Oscar Tavares, who was an up-and-coming player, passed away in a car accident in the off-season. Me and my dad opted to hold on to those cards. Those cards went from anywhere from, I don't know, $50 to $100 to now they're selling under $10. So from a money standpoint, it probably wasn't the smartest thing for us to hold on to them, and we probably should have sold them then, but we know that that was somebody that was special to us, so we wanted to keep those cards. But that's where I'm at. I generally don't like to tell people what to do with their cards, but that's how I would go about it if I had Dwayne Haskin cards today. How do you feel about this, T-Pop? I mean, I, I don't think I'd feel right about personally like jumping to list cards for the player. I think this is a really gray area though in many ways. Like, okay, what is the right timing? Maybe, remember Haskins was a guy competing mm -hmm. for different jobs yeah. and, and so it was like people were kind of going, ah, I don't know if I believe in this guy long-term and I do have a bunch of his cards, I'm trying to move them now. What if you already had those cards listed for sale on your eBay store or somewhere else and then this happens? I can see why people would go, oh, don't put rest in peace, don't put rip uh, prayer hands and things like that on the listing because that seems like you're trying to take advantage of the situation. But like flip the script, what if somebody's doing that out of respect? Mm -hmm. You go on social media and all you see is Dwayne Haskins posts with rest in peace and the, and the prayer hand emoji and all of that. So is somebody doing it as a sign of respect or are they doing it to try to like play off of the situation and make it look like they're pious? Probably a little bit of both in different circumstances. The one thing I will say here is I saw a lot of like anger towards sellers for listing this. Mm -hmm. What about the buyers? Like there's people buying the cards. They're just as complicit in it's a two-way transaction. Everything's a transaction that requires a buyer and a seller. So if you're going out and scooping these up, you're driving demand. 
and you're enabling a seller to do this. I, I, I get where the frustration comes from. I wouldn't personally do it, but I, I think it's probably not as bad as people say. Yeah, there's no point to add RIP to the eBay list and no one's searching for RIP. Yeah, so I get like, yeah, maybe some of them were as a sign of respect. Just don't do it. Just, I think this all comes down to just be respectful. Just be respectful. If you wanna, if you wanna buy and sell, do your thing, but be respectful. At the end of the day, that's what this is to me. All right, we gotta get into the next topic. Rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, let's talk about group submitters, right? So group submitters have, have been in the news for some bad reasons in recent months because we had the whole Mark's Cards situation with PSA. That was not a good you know, bulk submitter you know, example, but there's many bulk submitters out there. We have our own one here at Sports Card Investor that we partnered with Got Baseball Cards on. And for the most part, bulk submitters have been good and are how a lot of people submit their cards. The question that the audience has asked is why would someone use a bulk submitter versus just simply submitting their cards directly to a grading company like PSA, SGC, that type of thing. Have you used bulk submitters, Teapot? What are your thoughts on that versus going direct? I have almost exclusively used bulk submitters. I did do an SGC order myself a year and a half ago. Uh, the reason I use bulk submitters, a whole bunch of reasons. First, time. I just, it, it comes down to this question. Are you really going to do it yourself? Are you really going to take the time to do it yourself? And that includes inspecting the card, you know, cleaning the surface with a microfiber and doing all the things. That can be very, very time consuming. I've got a big growing young family. I work a lot for, for this job. It's like a time commitment issue. If I can take the cards and I can send them off to, to Got Baseball Cards and they'll look at them, they'll evaluate them, they'll get me better pricing per card and they'll do a pre-screening for free and they'll send the cards back to me that, I, that they don't think will grade well and I can get them back in my hands in time. Uh, and they might get the cards back faster from PSA than I would myself directly. All of those things are really compelling reasons. I think it just comes down to a question of trust. Go with somebody you know you can trust, whether it's a bulk submitter, a friend, and if you are confident doing it yourself, then by all means and more, more power to you, do it that way. But I, don't, I definitely think there's a really big place for bulk submitters. Yeah, I agree. Uh, how about you, Hammer? Yeah, so I've used Joe Davis before, and, and I do agree with you. I think it comes down to trust. I'm somebody who usually would like to submit directly, or if it's somebody that I know directly that is doing it, then I feel comfortable doing it in that scenario. But, you know, if you're somebody that's new that's coming into the game, I can imagine it's overwhelming with how many bulk submitters there are, not really knowing, you know, who you can trust. So in instances like that, you know, I've told people that you can go to the national and grade directly or just also buy graded if that's something where, you know, I am new and, and I'm not too sure really who to go to, uh, you know, especially seeing some of the stuff that we've seen in the news. So that's generally the route that I like to go. But with a situation like Joe Davis, it's really only, you know, it's going right to his store and then right from there to the grader. So that's a situation where I trust them, they're reliable people, they have a great track record, and they're somebody that I'm gonna continue to go to. We, we chose to partner with him specifically because his store, he's had his store for 30 years. Exactly. And he was one of PSA's very first bulk submitters ever. He was one of the very first stores to ever start grading with PSA back, it was like in the late 90s or early 2000s. It's been a long time now since he did that. Um, maybe even longer, um, actually, now that I think about it. But it, anyway, it's been since the beginning, and he was one of Beckett's uh, original ones as well. So uh, he's got a lot of experience with it. Personally, I like the fact that he does the pre-screening. As you said, it's like he, he will pre-screen, and he'll call me up. I'll send cards to him, and he'll call me up and say, don't submit these four. They're not going to grade well. You're not going to get your money back. 
And then with some of the grading companies, he gets much better pricing than you get from going direct. Like with SGC, if you send enough cards at a time, uh, it's 25 bucks a card. Where if you go direct to SGC, it's 30 bucks a card. So it's, it saves money. And guys, if you want to check out that bulk submission option that we offer here at Sports Card Investor, you go to sportscardinvestor.com, click on grading in the main menu bar. We've got that partnership with Joe Davis and his team, but you submit all of it through the Sports Card Investor website by going to sportscardinvestor.com, clicking on grading. They're great about updates too. Mm -hmm. If you send a PSA through Joe, they give you the same updates that you'd have yourself with visibility to PSA's site. Not every bulk submitter does that, just another thing to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, guys, this has been a fun episode. Lots of topics. What do you want us to talk about next week? Please leave that in the YouTube comments. And check out that new image scanning feature in Market Movers for free for seven days. Use promo code TRIAL. Go to sportscardinvestor.com, click on Market Movers in the main menu bar. Guys, appreciate it. Good show. Thanks to you guys for watching out there as well. Like and subscribe. We'll see you next time. Take care.